0: When you first got to the league and you got to that level, who was the first person to bust your ass?
1: Ooh, you uh, First person that got me, Nick Van Exel in practice. Yeah, Nick the Quick was getting me in practice. And um, you know, he just kept saying, you reach, I teach, you reach, I teach. And he was hitting me with that little bop stuff. And uh drove me crazy. Yeah, For my my first you know, my first time getting out there and playing. Nick went at me pretty he was hard. Aggressive, aggressive. Yeah, like, I yeah. got a chance to play with him in Portland, and just his IQ and skill level, the score was like yeah, next he was, level. He was cracking. He had those big hands, and big he could hands, shoot. He, you know, he had ball runners. Ball. You know, it took me about a good week to figure out he couldn't go right, and then I had to yeah. So, Nick <laughs> yeah, you're defending, so you got to figure Nick, it out. Nick, Nick Nick wore my ass
2: out. Yo, 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 season two kicking off. Y'all know we came with it this time, man. We got the Mamba Mentality. We here on location in the Batcave, live from Black Bruce Wayne Manor. We got the Mamba Mentality. I got the blackest one with me. You know, when men came through the show, Major Love, man, we got Kobe with us, man. Check us out. It's your boys Q, Rich, and D mouse Knuckleheads. No out to the podcast season two. Hey, ain't how we thinking? I ain't mean, what we do? Like, you just like. How did y'all come up with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is this thing on? <laughs> well,
0: well, scripted. We don't script it. We kind of just get into it.
2: You want winning with just one star player.
1: This dude had my shoes on, right? He just talking hot mess. You know, we were just young and wanted to prove ourselves, and you were in the way. <laughs> I took
0: a million dollars, bro. You I held literally a million. Put it on the bed, bro. You had that cash? Bro, and cash. You done bro. held a million you in, in laid You already know I was in there like, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is nice, man. Pour me some Henny. Yo. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great field, great field, great
2: field, great field, great
0: field, Lakers. Magic Johnson, you grew up on Magic Johnson, yeah. And you got drafted to Charlotte. And what was your first reaction to hearing Charlotte? Then you heard the Lakers. Yeah, well,
1: like I, I knew what was going on. Oh, okay. I knew that there was a trade in the works, right? And so when I got drafted, well, got then, good representation. He know what's <laughs> happening, <laughs> that's right? That's right. And so, like, I, you know, you get, you know, you get drafted. You get on the phone with the GM of the team that drafted you, and of stuff. So I get on the phone with the Charlotte GM and he just tells me, "Hey, you know, you know what's going on, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah." And then you got media in front of you and all that, and he goes, "Well, it's a good thing we're trading you because we couldn't have used you anyway." What mm-hmm. mother? <laughs> okay, okay, mm-hmm. all right. So that's what happened on draft night. So I was already, I was already triggered. In mode, I was triggered. I was ready to yeah. go to the gym. Like, fuck the media. Yeah, like, so I don't want to do any more interviews. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. why you telling me that for? I'm, I'm 17. Go yeah. had- you tell- okay, all right. Okay.
0: You going to a team that's they already screaming like with so much talent on this team, they should be a championship winning yeah. team. Yeah. You going to a team straight out of high school? You know, first goal ever to go straight out of high school, mm-hmm. and it's press. You got Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, Shaq. You got all these guys that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you come out with the total confidence of I'm supposed to play on this level. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's, here's the thing like, it's probably good for me to play against those top players because they were all all stars. Yeah. Right. So playing against them every day in practice, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. The flip side of that is going to a team in which I play immediately. Yeah. Right. And all these stuff, you know, individual stuff that people talk about at the end of the career, the numbers and all mm-hmm. that, all that stuff would be much better. And the yeah. probably be higher and all sort, all this sort, yeah. sort of stuff. But, Going to the Lakers and playing behind Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel taught me a lot. Byron Scott was there as a mentor, watching yeah. Shaq kinda starting to figure things out a little bit. Yeah, Made practices very competitive and I had to do a lot. I had to try to be perfect just to yeah. get on the damn floor because if I made a mistake, coach is yanking me out. Yeah, I know So that, understanding man. what that feels like. Every day in practice, it's gotta be a war because I gotta prove that I deserve to play. I yeah. deserve to be here. Every play matters, and, and so you, that you helped. Me. That? that
0: raised me that way. Because I was taught like that too. Like, if you want to play and you want to play during game day, you show it in practice. Yeah,
1: man. Listen, our vets would come to practice and they wouldn't want to practice. right? back to backs. We just play mm-hmm. thirty five minutes right. or whatever. And me and D Fish used to say, "Not our fucking problem." You got all the energy. Yeah, in we, we scrimmaging <laughs> right now. You're getting all this. And we talking. Getting, bad oh, too. yeah, you're we're talking, talking. Bad too. We were talking, and we, we would drive them crazy. But you know, we were just young, and you know, wanted to prove ourselves. And you were in the way.
0: When you decided to go out of high school, did you think about college? Like, was it a college that you was gonna go to? And, and yeah,
1: it was tough. It was tough for me because I went through a whole process of, of thinking it through, trying to think it through as clearly as I could, right? And like, you know, my two top schools were Duke and North Carolina, mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out well why. And Coach K, you know, had a reputation for letting guys play. At the time, Grant Hill was the player that was there. And, you know, he used to spread the floor, you know, he ran screen rolls. I mean, he was kind of ahead of its time yeah. in how he was running the game with Duke with a spread offense yeah. and saying, you want to do the same thing with me. And then on the flip side of that, it was Carolina. And Dean Smith didn't do that. He did the opposite. Yeah. He had a system. He had a structure. But his players came out fundamentally sound and ready for ready NBA to basketball. Yeah. Right? So those were the two teams. And Dean Smith stopped recruiting me. Mm-hmm. He sent me a letter and said, "Listen, everybody I talked to seems to think you're going to go pro. I don't want to waste your time. You know, best of luck. Right. If, if you if you change your mind, just know this could be a home for you." They
0: told you you was going to be a lottery pick. Um, I just
1: didn't no, wasn't really sure because I was the like the guard come out of high school hadn't been done before, you know what I mean? So it was like guards can't do that sort of thing. So it was kind of up in the air. Yeah, Yeah. it was up in the air.
2: Talk about the difference of when you came in straight out of high school, you went into a league and your team grown men, people got kids, families and all of that, as opposed to now, you know, these guys come in 19, whatever, they got plenty of guys in their age group. Everybody yeah. around them is the same age. Like talk about how different and how different and how difficult that was for you coming in, literally yeah. at eighteen, and a real grown man. Like everybody say when you get to the NBA, you in a grown man's league. But right now it's more of a young man's league than yeah. a, like when you came in it was a true grown man.
1: Yeah. Well, now it's like college. Just that so you don't go to class. Right. Yeah. You know exactly. I mean? High level of college. Yeah. Back then it was true grown men, and I think there was positives and negatives to that. Like the negatives, I didn't relate to any of them. Right. And there are certain things that they could do as a team that I couldn't do. Yeah. You, know, you go out to a, to a certain club as a team, you go out to a bar as a team, I can't go. Like I legally can't go. Right? sound like us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, so <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was hard and I think that actually, I had nothing to do, so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna play basketball, I'm yeah. gonna study basketball. Yeah. So I think that's where, now that I think about it, some of my behavior originated from. And so I got into that habit. So even when I became, you know, legal, I still wasn't going and
2: hanging out with the team because I was so conditioned to focus on one thing and one thing only. So speaking on that, I've talked to my boys and everybody about this. I, I played in L.A. for four years. I've never seen you anywhere other than the Staples Center. Yeah. Like literally, <laughs> like I don't know how you do it, how it happens. I'm like, and I've asked some of my team, like, yo, you ever see? Like, nah, I ain't never, I've, how? Like, you the Black Bruce Wayne, you take helicopters to the the joint. You disappeared. Like, like, what the that (laughs) happened?
1: Well, I was obsessive, bro. I was really obsessive about this game. And, like, to me, everything was competitive advantage as well. I didn't want to be around guys that, you know, see me out and know when I'm not working. I don't want that. Yeah. You know, and I was really I was really about that life. Like I was I was going at it. And then to know what I'm doing now, I had to prepare for that early. So like at twenty I started thinking about, uh oh, I gotta think about what comes at the end. Right. All right. Writing. I didn't know it was gonna be films and novels and all that sort of stuff. But I knew it was gonna be something around writing. So I had to practice that. So yeah. when I wasn't playing basketball, spending time with my wife and family, yeah. I was writing, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, so I didn't have time to be going out and doing all sorts of stuff, not to say I didn't do it, but. right At one, you know. one point you was writing raps too. I was, I was, yeah, and that yeah. actually helped me a lot, helped me a lot it because good, it beautiful. helped me with, with similes, metaphors, you know, with c- the creative writing aspect of it and mm-hmm. being able to say things in a condensed format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How can you say a lot in, in, one, bar, in one bar, right? Yeah. How can you minimize you know the arc of what you're trying to tell it helped
2: me yeah. a lot
0: and get somebody to like go through this story with you that yeah. you're telling yeah and um, like the, the
1: rhythm of right. of the words so like, that so makes
2: more sense cuz at i thought it was just like you was like all the rest of the east coast dudes they all think they could rap Philly yeah. <laughs> Like, yo son yeah. I'm, i it's got a little, <laughs> a, <it's> a little <laughs> bit of that too There's a little bit of that too like you know
1: philadelphia is you know certainly it was you know rap game in philadelphia is, Right. you know you know, we believe we're better than anybody from anywhere you know what I'm saying so it's it's a little bit bit of that too but like at the time I didn't understand what it was that I was learning but looking back certainly because like on a podcast show for example like The Punies right when you listen to the show there's a lot of harmony and rhythm even in the back and forth of the dialogue between characters there's a certain rhythm that that the
2: ear has to be in tune to and that just comes from music. So what made you start the punies? Talk about that, the podcast, you know, and, I, and a lot of your stuff and the content, I like the fact that it's geared toward the kids and trying yeah. to help them learn and just getting them, especially with the books, man, cause my, my 15 year old, he <laughs> he's a he's a big reader and like he wanted the Wizard books, mm-hmm. this and that, he wants the new books, so like for him, it's something like gold. Cause right. he's for real like a kid that has a high, you know, reading IQ and a high reading level and he, He's originally from LA, so mm-hmm. he, Kobe, is you already know, Word. so he like, yo, I gotta get the Wisnar book, and then now you heard about this book, so it's dope to see how you inspiring kids in that manner, like, that they wanna go get the book. It's like, you know, every, of course they wanna go get your shoes, or yeah. you come out with a ball or the jersey, but like, the book is a whole different lane yeah. that you inspiring the kids with. What made you go that direction? The kids are our future, and so like,
1: how can I take information that I've learned in my 20 years of playing, and before that, and distill it down to teach kids at an early age, teaching these things at nine, 10 years old, mm-hmm. and how to deal with pressure, how to deal with anxiety, and how yeah. to deal with these sort of things. How can I distill these messages down at an early age so that these kids grow up with a leg up? And The Punies was something that was just fun. Like I don't see any shows for children anymore that are fun. Like So wow. every show that's for kids, involves animals. Yeah. Like I'm, enough of the damn animals, man. Yeah. Like I don't wanna hear about a damn talking chicken anymore. Like I, yeah. I'm like I'm done. Yeah, like Give me real kids dealing with real issues, playing sports, which is the greatest metaphor we have for life, yeah. and learning from each other. Get yeah. the parents out of there, get the overbearing coaches out of there, yeah. let the kids hang out and trash talk each other and learn from each other. Yeah, yeah learn their confidence.
0: You had a bunch of teammates, all-star teammates, Hall of Fame teammates. What teammate that you took something from that stuck with you for your
1: career? A couple of things. One was more tactical in nature, which was Eddie Jones. And he taught me how to chase guards around screens off the ball. So I kept getting hit with screens yeah. on the ball. Big he taught screen. me how to shadow him. He was yeah. sick he man. was great. Even he, he would trail behind you, trail behind the outside oh, shoulder. Yeah. And once you get around the pick, he body up the hip yeah. and then slide He between. slide right through that door. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he taught me that. That helped me out a lot and I used that forever. Uh, Gary Payton as well taught me how to get through screens on the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think you know, those two G. tactical things. Yeah, because it, like, you know, getting hit with ball screens is like the worst feeling for a guard when you're guarding the yeah. ball. And so he taught me how to move up into the ball handler, make yourself thin, and then slide through the screen. Yeah. So those are the two things that I take with me.
0: Do you think like our era was so competitive that we weren't giving those secrets out? Like this era, it's like you know, they they, they so friendly, they they, so friendly. But like, we always, we never got a chance to sit down and have conversation with each other because we were so competitive. But it always was a respect factor there. Yeah, I grew up in an era where you just play a level of basketball higher than yours, and that's how you work on your game. I never was taught how to come from the hood. I never was taught how to go in the gym and put the work in, or Mm -hmm. you got to put your weight room work in too. Mm -hmm. Like I got to the league and. I wasn't going to the weight room, right. but you playing eighty two games, so my body's breaking, sure, sure. on down the hold, hold sure. it.
1: Like with you, what was that? I uh, I, I had some really good mentors, man. You know, information wasn't guys wouldn't share information generally, but if you ask, they just may, <sighs> especially if they know you're cut from the same cloth. Hmm. Like GP, I asked GP, GP. I mean, he went on and on and on. He loved – and we were playing – we may face them in the playoffs when he was in Seattle, right? But he was still sharing information because of the respect factor of furthering the game. That's always there. You know, Mike wouldn't share information with nobody, you know, but he did with me. Why? Because he knows I'm about that life. You see what I'm saying? And so, like, when I had those mentors giving me guidance, you know, Jerry West is a great mentor of mine. And the list goes on and on and on, man. And mm-hmm. so I had great guidance. You just man. absorbing it. I just absorbed it. I looked at what they could do, and I was like, shit, I can do it too. That's the work, i right. I'ma work harder than they did and
2: see where I ended up. Obviously, we got drafted right when y'all was starting. One of the first ones. One of the first one. so I'm like, yeah. what was, I'm like, dude. The biggest comparison I give people when I first had to start checking you and guarding you, I was like y'all remember the movie Love and Basketball right in the beginning when she's like guarding a girl and it's like the <laughs> camera is like this and moves like I was like that's like the perspective. I was like I had that feeling with like two maybe three different people. The first time I got caught in transition, you know you get caught and J-Kid running down your back and you trying Run to speed. turn around but he doing yeah. all this. I, I said, man, I just ran out of bounds. one time. I could never get turned around. And I said, I remember that. And I remember AI, fucking he coming in. You remember he used to jump over the double. Oh, like yeah. you got your legs hit for the double. He used to jump over. That's why he took yeah. the bunny hop out. So I said, then him. I said, I had to play him four or five times a year because sometimes we get y'all in preseason. Yeah, I'm it. sitting there like, here we go, and like the thing about him, you know me, I'ma try and play strong, physical. I'm like the thing that I got to learn about you, year after year. Is like, all right, he ain't going. He know we not gonna get the fight, so he like he gonna let you do all this. But like the difference between you, a T Mac, a Vince, a you was for real gonna try and put 50 on them, for real. Like nah, I'm not gonna say nothing, but it's just about to turn. And now it's gonna be like, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Cause I I swear a couple games, you know, I done made, Few people like chill out. Him, he like, nah, I'm smart enough. We not about to, it's not about to happen. Ain't none, none more than like a push gonna happen. Then here come everybody. Then I'm still gonna be here to spray your face off. Yeah. I was like, I'm <laughs> about to really like go crazy. I used to be like, dog, this dude shot a left hand shot in the game. When his arm was, I say, he the only person I played against where, well, okay, like he might do anything. anything. Yeah. Like for real anything. Again, then look at you and do some bullshit after he did it and shoot you a look. Like, yeah, I did that. Like,
0: <laughs> your, your left hand, how did your left hand get so good? You could shoot a floater. You will go off the wrong leg, left-handed. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's like, how do you work on that? It's consistency. Like my daughter right now, her left hand, is as good as their right yeah. around the basket. I got girls on my team that finish better with their left hand than they do with their right hand. Yeah. Just because of the amount of repetition that we do every day and just working on the left. And there's it's nothing to be done other than just repetition. You just continue to shoot, 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 get comfortable with it. And I gave them some, some work to do at home. I mean, try to eat with your left hand. Yeah. Try to write your name with your left hand. Brush yeah. your teeth with your left hand. Just so you get comfortable using it. And those are the things I used to do. I feel like. When you got a
0: game, when in your game, you got weapons. Yeah. Like I used to call us superheroes. You know, you put that jersey on and yeah. Do your I know he move. got the right to left crossover. Yeah. he go hard right, he go dunk. Like you kinda go through the categories of weapons yeah. that a person got. You, your weapons. I never seen a shot that you didn't feel like you couldn't make. And yeah. even from the adjustment of you being athletic to you just
1: gotta get to your spots. The shot that really matters is a pull up shot. Cause it all comes back to that. Right? And so you can do all these moves beforehand. They don't matter. Eventually you're gonna get to a spot you're gonna raise up and shoot. So doing that shot thousands of times got me so comfortable with the shot that I can shoot that shot any time. There's nothing you can do about it. And if you shoot a shot thousands of times, I can change the trajectory anytime I want. I can flatten it out anytime I want. You can be in my face, it's not gonna make a difference because it's on autopilot, you know what I'm saying? So like no matter what happens, it transpires here, whether it's a jab step or a crossover or a double, it doesn't matter because when I get to that spot and I raise up and shoot, I've done it thousands of times, that's in the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it all comes down to that shot.
0: Before I got to the league, you know, we was big NBA fans. I didn't see you before I got drafted being the, the second best player or arguably the best player in the league. You know, I'm mm. definitely a fan because you straight out of high school. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. straight out of high school. Yeah. 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 When we played our rookie year and then seeing y'all play y'all winning that championship that first year, it was no question in my mind that you was the second best player. You couldn't really show if you was the best player because Shaq was so dominant. It yeah. was like Shaq beat your team up, the whole game and the, if the game is close, Kobe gonna end it. Right. After that year, I think that was the year after you shot the airball in Utah. After that year, what clicked to be like I'm the baddest man on the
1: planet? I had to get stronger. Like the air balls in Utah it just showed me I needed strength. You know, in high school you play thirty games max. Right. When you get to the league, man, you're playing thirty games before October come around, man. man. It's like and so it wears you down. So it wasn't I was nervous about the situation. or um, well the shots were off, they were all right on the line. They were short. Mm-hmm. I gotta get stronger, I gotta get stronger. And I'm looking around, I'm looking at Mike, and I'm looking at Mike's physique. Strong. Yeah. Right, I'm looking at other guys around the league, they're not. Like, chopped like I'm, up. Latrell Sprewell's a great player, not strong. Yeah. Mitch Richmond has a natural base to him, but I can tell he's not lifting every day. You can look, Yeah. Mike is, Scotty is. Yeah. Them dude's got four or five championships <laughs> by now. I need to do that, right? And so that's when I started lifting. and started getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. And that's the adjustment I made because I had the fundamentals. I had the skill. I learned some things technique-wise, defensively. But then I just – my physical abilities caught up to the, to the skill. You come off the bench for the Lakers
0: and you make the all-star team. You're playing, I think it's Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And you're playing against the Bulls, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like that mm-hmm. was one of the – best All-Star games I ever seen in the history of the game. I want to know how you felt about that moment. You, you going against your idol, mm-hmm. who's on the other team, you you thinking that Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel and Shaq, they automatically finna make the right. All-Star game. And right. you make it too, to be a part of that that yeah. group. What did that moment like feel
1: for it was, you? It was a huge honor. I like mean, you see the boats tallying up and you're like, wait a minute, I'm a starter on this team? I want to start my own team, right. you know? and like. It Became very serious to me because I didn't want to make it seem like I was just some bubblegum player. Yeah, popularity got me in there. It was like, well, Hold on, no, I can hoop. You yeah, know, <laughs> I want to prove I belong here, sort of thing. You know, the hype of going up against Mike it was okay, let's go. Show me, like, I've been watching you play my whole life. Yeah. Show me, right. like, I want to see this. Everybody calling you Black Jesus and all this other yeah. crap, like, you have to show me, man. And yeah. I went out there and we went and head up, and you know, I think. His respect and appreciation for me really grew that day because you saw on the biggest stage, I didn't shy away from that confrontation. I looked forward to that confrontation. Yeah, and, uh, you know, George Carl, which, you know, later in the years became my motivation when we played against Denver, to so never let them win the playoff series because he didn't play me the whole fourth quarter of that game. I don't remember that. <laughs> See what I really I'm saying? Because me things. and Mike went at it, yeah. you know, for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, the crowd's yeah. waiting for me to get back in there. He benches me the whole fourth. I don't remember that. And it was like, Okay. Every okay. Time I see you, getting this word, It's on site. It's on site. <laughs> so when we it's played you know, the Denver Nuggets word. in the playoffs, it was like, hold on, yo, you're
2: never, you will never beat me in the playoffs series. <laughs> all, all your wings happening. got you to blame for this. Yeah, it's not all happening. All the wings, it's y'all, it's his fault. <laughs> I was so pissed. I always respected that you came in as a rook and you know as a big name superstar rook type and you jumped into the dunk contest. You won it, did your thing. What do you think about some of the superstars nowadays is not being in the dunk? Cause you know, like you like oh, We grew up yeah. watching- Jordan and Mike Dominique. Dominique, and Dominique. You know, the, yeah. the greats was the ones yeah. that were putting on the show. And I'm yeah. not saying that I don't want to see some of these other boys, cause nowadays some of these other boys got crazy hops too. But I would like to see our super superstars, if you one of those crazy athletes, Forget about all that, your brand, or I don't wanna lose. go yeah. put on a show, like yeah. Aaron Gordon and Levine, them did, like how MJ and Di- if you a superstar and you got bounce, go do it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think the All-Star game in general needs a little revamping, because it used to be competitive. Yeah. It used to be competitive, and like you know, fans wanna see the best pickup game in the world. Yeah. That, that's what this is. They yeah. don't wanna see you running up and down and dunking and doing all this crazy. like. They want to see the what happens when you get this collection of best basketball players on the planet, and they play and they go head up against each other.
2: Man, yeah.
1: I mean, you guys play harder at a pickup game in UCLA. For real, definitely And ain't do. billions of people watching. For real, definitely do. You know what I'm saying? Definitely do. Uh, so I think yeah. the All Star game needs a little needs a little changing. I always love competing in them. I didn't lose many of them. Nah, me and was CP one, used to talk nah, all the was one time. about on. You took it serious. Yeah, yeah. we we went in. Like I don't think me and CP and we played together in the All Star game. I don't think we've ever lost a game. Yeah. And well. we used to look at each other and say, okay, Oh, us serious. If they go. don't want to play, we gonna yeah, play. fourth
0: quarter, let's yeah. go get them. Yeah, And <laughs> actually, ask you this. Pickup basketball, Devin mm-hmm. Booker said you don't post a double team doing pickup basketball. But the competition, we used to have two courts. If you killing our team and we want to stay on the winning court, yeah. we gonna get the ball out your hand. But he should be happy, I feel, that you can double team on <laughs> on TV and off TV, Yeah. that means that you are so special. You playing pickup. Was people double teaming you doing pickup? Oh, up? yeah. Oh, yeah. And what you what you what do you think about? like Say, you got
1: to send another one. <laughs> Straight <laughs> up. Yeah, you got to send another one, man. Straight, <laughs> up. <Yeah>. Straight <laughs> up. Straight the um, fuck up. Yo, we used to, like.
2: like city, tell him to send another one. Yeah, yeah, no. But, like,
1: you know, I understand what Book is saying, though, because in the summertime, you're working on a particular skill set. Yeah. And so when you're in that isolated situation, you want to try the things that you've been working on in the gym, right? When yeah. I mean, doubles coming, you don't have time to do that. Yeah. At the same time, they're gonna double team you in the season anyway, right? right? Yeah. So you gotta figure out how to get around that, how to manipulate those 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 double teams. See who's To, who's open. to me, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a luxury. And, you
2: get to practice against what you really gonna see. Yeah, that's yeah you get a stop. chance to
1: measure it. Where are those passing angles? Or, you know what, well, i want to send this guy a message. So I'm gonna be playing against him in the season anyway. Whether it was Ricky Davis in the summertime, we're playing against each other and the double yeah. teams coming, you know, playing against him in the regular season, all sorts of stuff. It gives me bragging rights. Yeah. It's like, like even in pickup basketball, you need a double team yeah. right now. Right. And the double team wasn't sufficient. Yeah. You gotta send three motherfuckers out here in the summertime to pick Straight up the top. You know? If you wanna win <laughs> the game, or you're gonna get your ass kicked off <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just more of an ability to kind of trash talk a little bit. Yeah. You know, you know, I always viewed it as a competition.
0: When left, it's like you couldn't wait to show everything, yeah everything that you got like you went on a tour with the 40 points in the road tour, the 81 yeah like them That's three four years, years or whatever <laughs> like the reason i I rank certain players that I rank higher than others is be like how many years did you dominate the game out of a ten year span if you got four five years, damn near six years of you being the best right. player. Evidently you the best player of that generation. But like you went on a tour for four or five years straight of just domination and this is when you didn't have Phil, you didn't have
1: Shaq. What was, like, was it something that you was trying to prove or? Well, was like yeah because, you know, here's the thing. When I was playing, you know, I would get chastised a lot for being selfish. Saying we just gotta fit into a team. It's about winning championships. Yeah. Okay, well I'm okay, I get it. I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right? One three straight. Okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that when my career is over, they're gonna chastise me for the same thing. Yeah. And saying, Oh, well, you're only great because you played with Shaq. I'm like, Whoa, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have it both ways, bro. Right. Like, yeah. you know. So it was important for me to, to and Shaq to go separate ways. Yeah because I didn't want people to use that again. They still do, but it was important that I win championships without him, and you get a glimpse of what I could have done individually had I not played with him. Play with See him. what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was a big driving factor. It was like, hold on, don't get it fucked up now. Like, yeah, I'm doing this thing, I'm playing with Shaq, and it's like, take Mike, put him with Wilt. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Shaq was a force of nature, right? Yeah. right? So you gotta kinda take a backseat. You gotta there. take a backseat. But once that governor's off, it's like, hold on now. Yeah, that's
0: that's when it got ridiculous. 24 and eight, I know number eight, Kobe Bryant. Everybody in the world is stuck on that and just all of a sudden that you decided to revamp yourself and turn to 24. Why the number 24 out of all the numbers that you could have chose?
1: A couple things, 24 was the first number I wore in high school. My freshman year I was number 24. And then philosophically for me, it carried a significance because it was about approaching every day as if it was my last. And I had to have that mentality because it shifts. Shaq's gone. I have to drive this team every day. Yeah. You know, there's no days off. Come in practice, we're gone, right? And so every time I look at that number, it's like today is the most important day. Yeah. Today yeah. is the day, right? It's one day, that's it, right? And that helped me you know, stay locked in. Uh-huh. The, the triangle offense.
0: When I got to the league, I knew y'all play. Like I felt like if I got traded to the Lakers, I already know to play. Right, it's one play. I got a couple of side out of bounds <laughs> plays, but y'all run this one play in today's era. Yeah. How today kids play? Yeah, you think the triangle will work in, uh, in this? If you have the right people to teach it, yeah. Like I, because y'all slow the game. We you had to play at y'all pace. Yeah, no matter how the fast triangle, the triangle can it.
1: can be sped up too. Right, so okay. it conforms to the, the talent that you have. My thirteen-year-old daughter's team runs the triangle, mm. right? But it's like the thing about the triangle offense, which makes it so deadly, is that it gives you a structure, and within that structure, you have complete freedom. And so, even though defensively, you know what, what it is—the sequence that we're executing—we have counters to it. Counters to everything, and we all know them. Mm. It's hard to beat that, yeah, right? Because we can feel can start out and say we want to run center opposite. That's yeah. the sequence we want to start with. But now if you deny the wing on that center opposite, that plays off. Now nice. we have counters that come around that. I used to
0: hate when Robert Orr used to come <laughs> up to the box, free throw line, grab the ball, and you back cut. Yeah. you looking for that back
1: cut every time. Yeah, that's the backdoor step, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, But that helped me game plan. Yeah. So, like, these players now play accidental basketball. And it drives me and Phil crazy yeah. because it's all penetrating and pitch. That's you it. may make the shot. You may not. You have no idea who's going to be open or whatever. It's yeah. accidental basketball. We play basketball with purpose. If I got the ball, if, if Derek Fisher's on the wing, I'm at the top, I know by scouting reports that you guys like to deny the top.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, cool. Deny the top. I'll move up a little bit more, drag you out. Here comes Ori stepping in the hole. Catch it. Here I go back door. There's the drop. Off I go.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. so it's playing those sequences and understanding what the defense is going to do against so That made yeah. them dangerous. That's why Chicago was so dangerous because right. they knew – how Utah was gonna play. Yeah. These actions. And then they all, all five of them took advantage of it. And they
0: always keep you with spacing. Always. Like all
1: the time. You'll never slap over each other. No, always. They were really big on, you know, having 10 to 15 foot spacing.
2: Always. Coming into I felt like I was an offensive scorer, right? You know, when yeah. we was in high school, coming, I was a scorer. But then you look at dudes like you. I wanna know what is the mentality that when you get, all right, you got 20, you got 30. What makes in your mind when you got 30, most people like, all right, cool, like. I'm going 40, now I'm going 50, now yeah. I'm going 60, now I'm going, what is happening in your thought process when you <laughs> doing, cause like at, at some point, I know you tired, because cause the, people don't understand, squirt yeah. buckets like that, that take energy. Yeah. So how do you continue to just go, cause I was in New York when you got to 60, <laughs> and, God bless my, my my young boy, Wilson Chandler, he recovered, he is good. You know, everything is well with his life and his career. He's still playing now, so, you know, he made it through that. But I'm sitting here watching it, and I'm like, yo, he's not stopping. He don't look like he want to stop. He yeah, still want to yeah. get 100 if he can. Yeah. Where does that mentality come from? Well, you see most guys, 30, 40, and they kind of chill out like, all right, I got this.
1: Yeah, no, I—, I, I it's a competition, and my, my mission is to destroy you. It's it's not you know I mean like I don't say you know like we're playing. I'm I'm not stopping at thirty. Like I'm I'm keep going till you figure out something else to do. Like I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going. You know, and like that New York game, I knew D'Antoni's philosophies are never to double a guy that's hot because he always thinks they're gonna cool off eventually. Yeah. Right. So I understood that. So once I got rolling, I knew that was gonna be the case. But then watching film leading into the game, I knew Wilson. I knew he was just gonna play sound defense, right? He wasn't gonna gamble, he wasn't gonna try to block a shot, he wasn't, you know, he was gonna try to play good position defense. So I knew I could get a good look. So from that
2: standpoint, I said, all right, I just gotta take my time, be on balance, knock him down. I was, trying, I was like, yo, at, at some point when he catch the ball, you got to put him in the first row. Put him right in <laughs> yeah. fucking Spike Lee's lap. Spike <laughs> over there pumping him up. He talking. Like, my boy ain't saying nothing. He just out there being a good young boy going to play yeah. hard. Spike Lee over here getting them going, like, how you gonna talk to this yeah. man when you ain't gotta check him? Yeah, I was on the bench him. furious, like, come <laughs> on, dude, you gotta, this man shooting for <laughs> a pass, mark, turning and looking at spikes, gowling at him, Wilson <laughs> just running back. I'm just like, bro, this is not cool. You know, like. I, I
1: was, that was one of those zone moments, man, where like things happened and it just led to that big moment. But like Andrew Bynum, we just lost the game before. He mm-hmm. got an injury against Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, we just lost to the Celtics in 08 think we got Andrew's gonna make a big difference for us. Now he goes down, we don't know how long he's gonna be out for. The team was a little deflated. I was pissed off. You know what I mean? Because it's like, no, we're winning the championship. This should come hella high water. And my guys were down. And going into New York big game, I said, all right, I gotta send a message to my guys and say, no, listen, we're doing this. I understand it's hard, you went down, but damn it, we're getting it done. Yeah. So it was important to get into that mind frame of no. Nothing matters and I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see no celebrities on the sideline. Don't dap me. Don't say hi to me.
2: I don't care about none of y'all tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just focus. That was it. Was that also, you was coming into the garden and everybody loved to play well in Madison Square Not garden. that game. It didn't matter.
1: No, that game, it was bigger than that. Like, it was about us winning the championship. Like, yeah. my guys were deflated and it was like, no, we're going. Yeah. We're getting it done. I understand yeah, injury hack, sucks, but we got to keep on moving. And I had to find that space. I didn't go out to dinner in New York. I stayed in my room. This is actually the story Rob told that he got confused about, the Heath Ledger stuff. Because I stayed up watching Batman and watching Heath Ledger. And then I went and started researching about Heath Ledger and how he got into character and how he just became became all-consuming. I was like, that inspired me to go into my garden mode. where I go in there, I don't want to say hi to the janitor. I don't want to say hi to these people. I don't want to talk to nobody. Everybody leave me alone. Like that?
0: Ever since I seen like highlights of you in high school all the way up to the end of your career, you always been an aggressive guard. Who installed aggression in you
1: to? I don't know, man. Compete the way you compete. I don't know. I watch my my daughter Gianna and she's aggressive as hell. I nah, see I her. her. She that. got the face. Yeah, like do y'all she's practice face in the middle. <laughs> like she got the face. Everything. She's aggressive. Yeah. You know, it's not something that. We taught her how to be. She's just naturally aggressive. Got it. Yeah. So, so you you just ain't really yeah, get it. Was, it was always just kind of aggressive and you. temperamental, and you know, and I grew up in a competitive household. And My cousins were all competitive. I mean, yeah. We competed at everything, trash talked at everything. So yeah. that kind of added to the feistiness of it a little bit. To see your daughter.
0: Fall in love with the same ball that you fell in love with. How did that make you feel? It's a
1: culture with that passion to help her out to give her the jewels for her, like have a passion for her, like care yeah. about it. It's a great feeling, but it, you know it would have been the same if it was anything else. As long as they got the passion for it, that's the hardest thing yeah. is trying to find something that your kids are passionate about. Like my exactly. eldest loves film. Yeah, she loves volleyball too, but really loves film. And you know, Gianna loves basketball. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I know basketball. I can teach you. So it's awesome because I, it's like a blank canvas yeah. when they first taught it, it started two years ago. So I started teaching them all the footwork that took me 20 years to learn. Yeah, I'm teaching them that at 11, you know? So now at 13, I mean, they're fadeaways, they're up and unders, their are spin moves, their balance, Like their footwork is really, really sharp because yeah. it's like a blank canvas. And it's fun to watch them figure it out, yeah. you know? To watch them learn and like- Did you ever think you were coach? Yeah. No, nah, I, I didn't think I my kids would ever would, play basketball. Yeah. I didn't That's what I was them. saying. Because, like, I
0: was, my kids can do anything. Anything you want to do, I'm a supporter. Yeah. But when you choose the one thing that I fell in love yeah. with, it's like, it's, it's still a special yeah. thing to me. Like, baby, you love this. No, it's exciting. Like, I'll give you everything you need yeah, for exciting. this. It's exciting.
1: And, like, you get a chance to go back and, like, go through the basics all over again, right? So, like, I write practice plans every day. And it's, it's like a six year plan, and we're in year two mm-hmm. right now. So, you can patiently teach them. Every little aspect, right? Teach them how to use screens. Teach them how to be patient. Teach them how to anticipate on defense. Like all those little balance and all that little stuff. It's it's awesome,
2: man. It's mm-hmm. awesome. That man got it all mapped all right. up. So I want you to take a second and talk to me about the legacy in the queen. Yeah. And how this came about. I like the the Club whole the right, cup, like I the look, tennis it, it, the yeah. tennis ball feel with yeah. the like this is something as a kid. You get excited about the color, and uh, this is yeah. like when I would buy the TDs, you know, we buying Nolan. That's and right. Like, look at the crafts <laughs> That's like, right. This is, this is right. like in comparison, because this is not your normal book. You got feel and texture and sparkles, yeah. and then it still got the tennis racket. Yeah. So talk about how you came up with this.
1: Well, we wanted to create something um, for children that, you know, they feel that they're important. Right. A lot of times in the children's space, we kind of dumb stuff down, the materials down, because it's for children. They're not going to tell the difference. Yeah. Right. But I feel like if we create something that's high in value, they understand that it's been cared for. That means that they matter, yeah. and they do. Yeah. Right? For parents as well, look at this, and you put this book up, and you can feel that there's been a lot of care put into it. You may yeah. not understand all the hidden gems that are in this book yet, yeah. but you can feel them. Yeah. So you understand this is a studio that we can trust. And then for the story itself it's about how do we teach kids how to handle the inner monologue, the emotional things that we experience. How do we teach them that? Which is why it had to be tennis, because tennis is such an individual sport, hard. but different than golf. Golf, you're dealing with the elements and yourself. In tennis, you're dealing with yourself, the elements, and that person across the net from you, trying to beat you, mm. right? So you gotta have those inner conversations, navigate those while competing with somebody else that's across the net from you. Mm. The story, the story behind it. What inspired you to do that story? Well, I, I, the way I look at it, inspiration drives the world. Yeah. So if I'm looking at the kingdoms and the worlds that we create, inspiration is what decides who's going to be the ruler of these particular worlds. All right, so then how you inspire. You can inspire in a myriad of ways, right? You can inspire through love, right? You can inspire through fear, right? Uh, hatred, there's a lot of ways to inspire. And so how are these athletes in the world using their platform to inspire, right? And that's where the conflict ensues in all of our stories.
2: I know what I want to ask you. Now, you you know, you like Bruce Wayne. Now you got <laughs> helicopters and stuff like that. But I want to know, like all of us, when you first got in the league, you got some bread in your pocket. What did you do to some where your mom or your dad looked at you like, boy, what, what the, what's the hell wrong with uh, you? <laughs> we all did something.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? Nothing like that. The, but but like the first thing I did, like when I came out here and I got some per diem, <laughs> I just wanted to go somewhere. Right. right? And, like in Philadelphia, everything's relatively close. Yeah. You know, And I'm staying in Santa Monica, and so I get a taxi. You know, call it Yellow Pages, get a taxi. Kids don't know what that is. Right. And I get in the cab, and I say, oh, take me to a mall. Oh, take me to a mall. So he takes me to the Beverly Center.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, and I had 80 bucks in my pocket for per diem money. The taxi cab ride was like sixty five. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna get back. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell is going on right now, man? Like I didn't, I didn't, you know. So I'm walking around the mall with fifteen bucks in my pocket, not knowing who the hell what anything was or whatever. It's Jerry's Deli across the street. I'm hungry. I want a sandwich. I look at the menu. The sandwich is like six bucks. I'm like, yo, I can't. This is ridiculous, it's that man. Life. Yeah, this is, crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. So. I got I got a cab driver to give me a ride back in good faith that I was gonna go up to the room and find some more money somewhere and pay him. <laughs> yeah, wow.
0: Uh, Andrew Luck just retired yeah. because he was saying it was a mental drain on him with the injury. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel that because eight of my 10 years it was a mental drain mm-hmm. every day with the injuries. Mm-hmm. You had injury after injury after injury. You played with a broken finger a whole year, yeah. all that just describe to like other athletes the focus and how you got to kind of compete with yourself to get yourself back on the level yeah. to steady go i know we all go through pain and stuff mm-hmm. and it's it's the hardest thing you can
1: do if cuz it's so easy to give up yeah it's really hard man because it's such a tedious process and what i found helpful was to not look at the top of the mountain because the mountain is so damn daunting you know mm-hmm. it's like so instead i just choose to focus on one step at a time and then by the time you realize you're at the top of the mountain again. And that's how I handle all my recoveries. It's just focus on the next thing, focus on the next thing, focus on the next thing. And also, you know how time flies. Yeah. Like, time goes by really fast. So, like when you're sitting here in the moment dealing with an injury that's a nine month injury,
2: I can't do that.
1: Yeah. But when 12 months go by, you're going to wish you did. Because yeah. it goes by like that. It goes by like that. You know what I'm saying? So, that, that's always been my approach. It's just one step at a time, one step at a time. One day at a time. And I didn't want the injuries. Dictating when I retire, I wanted to control that. It's like no, my body. Sit down, be humble. Right, you <laughs> you're you're that, not. Yeah. You're not telling me when I'm walking away. Right. right. I'm going to tell you <laughs> when I'm ready to go. Well,
2: man, you know we appreciate you coming on the show, man. The sponsors of Hennessy, BSOP. They got the, the special bottle. Oh, that's what's up. You know what That's what's saying? up. The, the Kobe Bryant knucklehead. That's what's up, you know, man. We appreciate it, me. Appreciate thank love. Thank thank man.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'ma put this to good use.
2: Yeah, you know. <laughs> <That> yeah. <laughs> so that's a wrap, man. We out here on location in the in the Black Bruce Wayne's private studios in a secret location in California, man. <laughs> but we definitely appreciate you, dog, coming oh, through, Anytime. letting Anytime. us come through and rock with you. This Hall of Fame. Oh, you know man. what I'm saying? This, this this top three all time, y'all, y'all. Man, <laughs> man, you know what this is. It's this the Man, mentality. Players Tribute.